comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is a man who has no minutes in this international window. It's Logan Stump. Uh, I didn't know Matthew Hoppy was going to be on the show. <laughs> That's kind of exciting though. Yes, I've played as many minutes as him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My cat is also thrilled that Matthew Hoppy has no minutes. Yes. Uh, so we are, of course, going to talk the four MLS games that took place, and we're going to talk the two World Cup qualifiers that took place um, in the last, what, week? Mm-hmm. And then we'll look ahead and preview the Costa Rica game, and we'll see how it goes. For there, it might be a little bit of a shorter episode. Not a lot to talk about. It wasn't like a full MLS schedule like it sometimes is with these international windows. So... Uh, depending on how much we want to vent about this, uh, it could be a short episode. But uh, I guess let's start with let's start with them. You want to start just get the four MLS games out of the way and then yeah, let's and then do talk. That. Okay. So the first uh, MLS game that took place uh, was on the ninth, and it was New York Red Bulls versus Inter Miami. Uh, Kamala scoring in the twenty fifth minute, and that was it. Uh, Red Bulls beating Inter Miami, the best team in the Eastern Conference, um, which puts uh, do I have the standings up? Yes, so it puts Red Bull only two points behind Atlanta, three points behind Montreal, and it puts Miami at thirty-two points. They're eight points away from the playoffs. I think they're pretty much out at this point. Yeah, yeah, they're out. I, it, it's weird for um, the best team in the, in the East to be out this quickly, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's been a really long season and there was, there was, I don't know if you saw the video, Jordan or the highlight, there was somebody that put uh, Gonzalo Higuain in like a, in the washer uh, and he just was like spinning in circles because <laughs> somebody was going around and, and dribbling the ball. It was like, oh, it's a disaster. <laughs> uh, it's been a rough, rough couple of years for Inter Miami. Yes, it has. Uh, we'll see how it goes for them uh, in the future. But uh, do you think they keep Phil Neville with some of the improvement they've had and they just see, okay, what do you do with another season and see if you can improve? Yeah, and I, I think you keep Phil and I think you have a you know two or three DP spots left open, right? Um, so, you know, I don't know. It, it, they, they seem to be a mess and uh, 
they thought that Phil could be the guy to come in to fix it. But I don't really know how much of that is going to be next year. Um, just because I think this team is just needs a really, it needs a, it's a, needs a hard reset. I, I'm not sure that Iguains are what you need. Um, and Blaze Matweedy's not young. So it's like, you know, what, what do you do with that? And how do you move forward with him? Um, yeah, I don't know. And a lot of injury issues, their defense is awful. Um, uh, <laughs> they've got a long way to go and I just don't know where you go from here, but it's not Phil Neville's fault. And I think that he's got such a, a bad enough team and they perform well enough that it's, you know, I think his job safe. Yeah, I would probably think so too. Uh, let's see. We had Cincinnati versus Philadelphia with Shabilko scoring in the 53rd plus a uh, 55th, 45th plus three, if I can get that number right. Then we had Paxton Aronson scoring in the 56th minute, and then Harris Madunian and the former Union player scoring in the 82nd minute, and the Union close it out and leave with all three points from West End Stadium, which puts them, uh, which puts the Union still in third, but they're only two points back of Nashville. Uh, so there's a real possibility the Union can get into uh, get into second. They're uh, five points above DC now, and they are six points above the drop out of the playoff zone. So I feel like the Union, after their tough stretch, are really turned it on, and they are probably, say probably here because it's MLS, going to be safe and make uh, the postseason. Yes, they got the second best defense in the East, and you know they they've played tremendous defense. Um, I think that they do well enough in the back, especially with Andre Blake back there. Um, to where they can really compete with teams that are in the top of the East. The only thing that's going to bother them, and it does look like they're starting to come around a little bit more, um, I, I think that if they can score, um, they're, again, a team that can be very threatening. And I think if you can get Casper to score, Sergio Santos, if he can come and, and score a goal or he two. He did get injured, Santos, as he, oh. you know, Santos, as he was okay. walking, uh, before he, he had to get taken off the field, but... Uh, you know, I, I people th- said it doesn't look as bad as they initially thought, so he might okay. be okay. But any, uh, if they can find somebody that just scores, um, I, I think that this team defends so well that they've got, you know, the opportunity to win games. And I think that when it comes to the playoffs, when you've got home field advantage, they can go through a couple rounds mm-hmm. and compete with some of these big teams just because of their defense being so solid. Um, and I think they're well coached. Now it's just a matter of can they find anybody to get on the end of those balls? And I think that Chabelko, if he can start to play and get in form, if they can make a little run and get hot here before he heads into the playoffs, you're looking at a team that can compete with, I mean, the Revs, Nashville, uh, Orlando. I think that they compete with the top four or five teams uh, in the East. All right, let's go ahead and look at the Seattle Sounders versus Vancouver in a Cascadia matchup. O'Neal scoring five minutes in, Benize uh, scoring in the 14th minute, Will Bruin in the 55th minute, Leo Chu scoring in the 90th minute, and then uh, White scoring in the 45th plus one for Vancouver. And Seattle finishes 4-1, and it puts Seattle still in uh, first place in the West. They now have a five-point lead, which is got to be the longest in a while it's the biggest lead for them mm-hmm. uh, and they've actually now clinched a playoff spot oh and with that union cincinnati game cincinnati has been officially eliminated from the playoffs with a month to go with a month to go and they're the worst team in the league so that tells you how crazy the, the 
the season has been. But yeah, uh, Seattle has clinched the playoffs. They are not able. They're 20 points up from the drop. And uh, with what? Uh, eight games to go. Yeah, eight times three is uh, 23. I know that doesn't make sense, does it? Six games. Six games. 34. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, that's why I didn't become a math teacher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then we had uh, Minnesota lose to Colorado, and uh, they, Minnesota scored eight minutes in. And, you know, uh, which is amazing. And then it just fell apart at home, too. They get a Colorado gets a red card in the 57th minute. Uh, then Bassett scores a penalty in the 73rd. Barrio scores in the 84th. And Lucas Estevez in the 90 plus three to have this game finish 3 1 to the Rapids. Down a man. This puts Minnesota up one point in the playoff spot from Vancouver, and it has Colorado squarely in third place, five points above Portland. They might get a home playoff game. Yeah, it'd be exciting. And and we were we were pretty high on Colorado, but not that high on Colorado going in. We thought that they had a good enough team the, to compete, at least get into the playoffs, and I think that we had them pretty high, but not – not like they were going to do some serious damage, but I think their defense has played well, which has been a shock um, to, I know, many. Uh, and then I, I think that their offense is finally coming around. I think they're scoring goals. I think that they get, you know, good chances uh, when they've got the ball. And I think when you look at Vancouver, you're looking at a team that is sniffing the playoffs. And I don't know if we ever thought that would happen. I know we had them ranked pretty low. I think we both had them in the bottom of the East or sorry, the West. Um, but I think that when you look at Vancouver and when you look at uh, a new coach coming in in a new situation and being a point off the playoffs and chasing down Minnesota, they've got a little bit of a uh, tougher schedule and run going into the playoffs than Minnesota does. But they do play each other in about four weeks, so that could be pretty interesting. You get down to the final three games of the season, and those two teams could be jockeying for seventh and eighth uh, and playing one another. So that would be pretty exciting there. Minnesota, my MLS Cup pick. So, do I hope that they don't get a home playoff game because they just <laughs> lost at home? So, I don't know if I uh, want that. But yeah, so where this puts us right now: New England in first in the East, Nashville, Philly, Orlando round out the top four. DC, NYCFC, and Montreal in the playoff spots. Atlanta, Red Bulls, Columbus, just outside of the playoff spots. And then Miami, Chicago, Toronto, and Cincinnati in the bottom of the East. Over in the West, Seattle lead, as we said. Then SKC, Colorado, Portland round out the top four. RSL, LA Galaxy, and Minnesota round out the playoff spots so far. Vancouver, LAFC, and San Jose are within shooting distance of the playoffs. And then Dallas, Houston, Austin, the Texas trio are at the bottom of the West. All right. Uh, so let's let's get depressed. So we're going to go over to... Uh, let's start off... Actually, let's start off happy. We did have USA versus Jamaica on Thursday, well, which finished 2-0 USA uh, with goals from uh, Ricardo Pepe twice, 49th and 62nd minute. He comes off the field in the 68th minute. And uh, 
that was it. We also saw Luca Della Torre come on the field. Shaq Moore came on the field. Timothy Weah, Zardes, Acosta um, came on the field. All in those, you know, late uh, late subs there. But uh, what was your impressions of the USA when they faced off against Jamaica on Thursday night? Yeah, so I, I think, one, I wanted to say that the atmosphere for the U.S. men's national team in Austin was fantastic. I thought it was probably the loudest that I've heard as far as qualifying in Gold Cup. It was really loud. I mean, it was constant the whole time. I know people were making fun of our chants because uh, I've got a bunch of the European students, and they were always like, what are those chants? They're awful. I was like, I don't know. We're saying Dale, Dale, USA, and I'm like, that that's Spanish. That's not... Uh, it's not yeah but spanish is part of our heritage it is but like it's so funny because it's like they they go you don't have any original ones it's that i believe that we can win and stuff i'm like yeah it's i mean those are nike and under armor can i actually break (laughs) a break sorry can i actually break something for everybody nobody has original chance jordan nobody how dare you nobody Go to a Chelsea game, or listen to a City game, yeah. and you'll hear some of the same chants the same with just song. different player names yeah. or different club names. Uh, you know, come on, you boys in blue that the union sings. Somebody else sings that somewhere else. Yeah, uh, Everybody has taken chants from other people. The Saints go marching in. They use that all yes. the time. Anyway. They use yeah. it for Southampton. They use it for yeah. any team. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, exactly. <laughs> so. These are None of these are original. Yeah. And uh, so I just need to get that off my chest because it drives me nuts. I, as long as they're chanting, as long as they're having a good time and they're willing the team forward, I'm totally cool. Yeah, and I and that's the thing. At Austin, I was like, man, can we just try to find more games in Texas? We were really well supported there. And I know, I do know if we played Mexico, it'd be a little different because they'd, uh, they'd buy tickets over us and you'd have about an even stadium, I think, there. But it was... It was interesting. Like I'd never seen that many U.S. fans together at once, and, and I know you've been watching a lot longer than I have as far as qualifying. But it was just cool to see in this new stadium, um, and they're unveiling this new stadium. And you've got the whole team there, and then they're playing well. Well, they didn't play well in the first half. The, the first half, first half was frustrating. I think it, it had that feel of like, okay, here we go again. Like it, we, we're not creating anything. Nothing is being done in the front. Um, you know, are we having a hard time finding Pepe? What's the deal? But then it was like in the second half, I think Greg made adjustments and it got more vertical where they were playing balls in uh, and they were having Pepe come up to get it and then playing on the wings and then they were going forward pretty quickly. Um, you got many times where Musa was absolutely just destroying defenders and going by them. And I think that that's ultimately what changed the game. I thought that he played extremely well. Um, and then you had Ricardo Pepe, who I think we've all kind of penciled in as the as the number nine now. I think that he's shown enough. He did things in this game that sergeants, we've been trying to get sergeant to do for, I mean, years. Uh, and Doyle talked about it all the time when they said sergeant, thing with sergeant, he has a really hard time getting on the end of the ball. Like the, he like inches away from the ball. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's his job. Like just poking a ball in. And then this match in the second half, there was a couple balls Ricardo Pepe knock in. That I mean, it, it was literally him sliding in and just poking the ball into the goal, um, which is a striker you need to do. And especially when you've got good wingers, which I think the U.S. have probably some of the, I mean, greater depth, I guess, at wingers. Um, I, I think that their wingers are pretty talented and they play extremely well. And two of the most talented wingers they have weren't even playing um, in uh, Pulisic and Reyna. But I think that Brendan played extremely well. And again, I, it was funny because I saw a bunch of tweets that said, 
you know, we're, we, we might not even know half the guys that are going to be in the 2026 um, roster yet because they're just not there yet. And I think that they're right. I think that some of these guys that we've been penciling in forever, like a Weston McKinney or a Tyler Adams, I mean, they, it, they have a hard time staying on the pitch. It, they might not be there. You might have a Eunice Musa sitting there deep lying in the midfield or wherever. You know, who, you know who's going to be in 2026 World Cup? Jordan Wiegand. Paxton Aronson. Oh, yeah, the Aronson squared. Yeah, uh, Jordan and I were talking about this. It would be really fun to see the Aronsons, but I think you're going to because everything I've ever read was that the scouting report is that Paxton's better than Brendan. So it's <laughs> which is scary because Brendan's probably right now maybe our second best player, if not our best. So yeah, it, I, I really love the second half though. Um, and I know you were on your way home from a wedding and stuff and all sorts of crazy things, but from that, a rehearsal dinner, yeah, that didn't have the game on in a good area so i had to like watch part of it on my phone while staring across the bar and then uh when i thought we were leaving uh my wife was taking pictures with people and then by the time we actually left and because i didn't actually like the food at this restaurant (laughs) i went to burger king and then uh listened to the rest of the game on the way home Mm -hmm. uh through my bluetooth but by the time i got home it was a 93rd (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, and then with uh, Saturday we had a wedding, and then Sunday I, I ended up missing the most of the game too. So I had to, you know, look up some stuff. It was right. I saw like the first half of the of the game yesterday, which of course nothing really changed, and that um, the first half was awful. Yeah, yeah, it was just. Like the second half was so dis- like the or the second half was so good that this next game is so disappointing, and we'll get into why, but. It just it sucks because it, they played so well. They they might have played the best second half they've played all of qualifiers, and I'd say I'd go on record and say they probably did. Honduras, um, away. Uh, yeah, that was a really good one. That's true. Um, but this was, I mean, this is up there in the top two halves that you've had because they've had some really crappy halves. Um, <laughs> it just sucks because it just like deflates a little bit. And I know that Wednesday ultimately, if you win that game on Wednesday, that it, it fixes everything, but it, it just sucks because it of how well they played in the second half. Momentum should have carried them a little bit to at least get a point uh, in Panama. But um, yeah, we can we can talk about that, I guess. Really good, really, really good half by Ricardo Pepe and Brendan. Eunice Musa. Okay. Well, let's go ahead. Hmm. And also talk that that night, Mexico and Canada drew 1-1. And that really helps sets the stage for where we're at in this qualifying window after this game, too. Yeah. So, uh, then, you know, on Sunday, we lose to Panama 1-0. Mexico beats Honduras 3-0, whatever. But also, Jamaica's held to another draw. Which puts uh, the USA still in second place after this disastrous result, okay? So let's just keep that in mind. I know some people say, well, we still have our toughest away games to go. You know, we got away at Mexico, away at Canada, away at Costa Rica. Those will be those will be tough. They will. One, I feel pretty good about us against Mexico. I just feel like we match up well against them, mm-hmm. no matter who's on the field. It's like this. Right. It's almost like when it's Raven Steelers, no matter how bad Raven the teams Stalin. are. You know, no, I was just saying, like, when you have Ravens, Steelers, <laughs> it's a huge rivalry. And no matter how bad the teams were, they play well. Or if, like, Ravens are good and the Steelers are bad, or the Steelers are good and the Ravens are bad, 
it ends up being like a three point difference, you know, like a three point mm-hmm. game. And this kind of has that same feel recently where, you know, the, the USA, no matter how good or bad we are, especially this summer, we, we play them well. And, uh, Really, that's how it's been recently. I say recently because there's been a few times where we get our just ass handed to us yeah. by them. But uh, I feel pretty good about that. Away at Costa Rica, Costa Rica has not been as good this year, so I feel okay about that one. And away at Canada, I think for sure we can get a point. Mm. So I, I do think it's okay. Um, you know, especially Canada is not like one of those, uh, you know, Canada doesn't have the atmosphere that a lot of people complain about for the Central American countries. Because I, just Canada doesn't have that history of soccer, you know mm. they're they're up there worried about hockey all the time, right? So I'm not sure that one will be super tough. It'll just be tough because Canada's good, like Canada's yeah. really good. Um, but uh, so Godoy, Annabelle Godoy scored for Panama in the 54th minute, and that was all she wrote. It was a really bad first half, and it seems to be a common theme now. If we're talking about how inconsistent we are. Mm-hmm. We are consistently really bad in the first half again. Yeah. <laughs> Even those games against Mexico in those uh, trophies we won has really been, uh, you know, where we concede early or something, and then we have to kind of come back in the second half. So I'm, I'm getting tired of that, though. What, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts on what is it that makes them so bad in first halves? I think um, I think a lot of it actually has to do with the fact that um one our players are a lot a lot of them are european uh, i know that's got a huge uh i know that there's a huge wrench into things because while these teams haven't maybe been together because of covid at least they've probably been together more than we have and i think that when you look at our lineups consistently they're not the same so i was like looking through the lineups and kind of going through and saying who is a staple on this team that have been here for, you know, as many games as I can think of over the last, you know, two months or three months that we've been watching them. And I was thinking about it and <laughs> it's fun because I'm like, okay, in the back four, Dest is most of the time healthy in there. Um, other than that, the other three have been just a wash uh, with JV out now um, with Miles Robinson uh, surging onto the scene. I, I, you know, you've had different players in the center back position, Anthony Robinson, has been in that spot. You had Tim Ream at some point. Um, Walker Zimmerman played there. Like it, it's been a mismatch. Um, and then it's been in the midfield. I mean, if you think about it, Tyler Adams was out. What that first couple of uh, well, one he missed a couple of the games because he's the European player, so he had to miss what was it Gold Cup that they missed. Um, and then if you really think about it too, he had been injured, so there's been some of that. Weston McKinney's got sent home. Um, from his last World Cup window, and, and he was sent home back to Juventus. So he hadn't been playing. Pulisic hasn't been healthy. Um, you've had Hoppy, who we thought was really, uh, really, head, it was a head scratcher that he hadn't played, that he didn't get any minutes in this last game. So he hasn't been real consistent in playing time. Ricardo Pepe just came onto the team in the last four games and has played extremely well. I would say, Jordan, if you're looking at this team, who are the most consistent players? I think there's three of them. I think when you look at it, Matt Turner, Brendan Aronson, and then uh, I'm blanking. Who am I blanking now? Somebody else. Oh, Miles Robinson. So it, it, like, I think those three, if you think about it, are the only three that are so consistent because everybody else has been hurt or they've been sent home or they haven't been over here because of Europe. 
So I think it's it, that's one thing. I think the first half they're having a hard time finding their like cohesive uh, unit. I think they're having a hard time building up play because they don't play a lot together. I think as you start to see them starting to play more together and the more that Ricardo Pepe plays, the more that Brendan Aronson plays. I actually thought Paul Areola played extremely well against Jamaica. I know a lot of people have a problem with that because they don't like Paul because they think he's MLS and MLS only. But I thought that he was probably the best three players that we had because he pressed so well. Um, my cat was really good too. Um, she was really impressive. But um, but no, I, I – for those that are listening, my cat's attacking me again. Um, but I, I think that's it. I think that you're finding a hard time in these first halves because there's no consistency. And Greg really didn't help the team. Um, I know you have to rotate players, but gosh, when I look down on that bench, now that I see it, I'm like, Kellen Costa played. Like, why not play like uh, Tory or why not play Matthew Hoppy or, you know, why play some of these guys and, and, the way that he had them playing too, it was like, it, like okay, let's play him now, and then we'll sub on some of these guys that played half of the game. Okay, well then, what's wrong with you know subbing on like a Miles Robinson or if you needed a uh, Pepe earlier or Matthew Hoppy? But they instead they go with like Christian Roldan, and they brought Yedlin in, and I'm like, what? What's happening? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, so. Let's talk about that because uh, so Jenny Chu, who works for CBS, you know, she had this after the game. She had this um, segment that's also posted on Twitter now as well. Maybe we can see if we'll share it. But what happened is she says uh, to like Greg, uh, like what she heard Greg say to the team after Jamaica was you know, we're not qualified yet. If we act like we're qualified, then it's going to bite us in the ass pretty much. Yeah. Right. But then she goes on and says, well, seven changes in your 11 makes it mm -hmm. seem like you think you already qualified. Yes. Right. Like, so he wasn't like practicing what he was preaching is pretty much what she was trying to get at there. Why did we make all these subs? But also why were some of these players not subbed? Uh, Paul Ariola went 90 minutes against yeah. Jamaica and then plays 45 here. Mm -hmm. Why isn't he just like a bench option to run at tired legs later? Like, right. why is Matthew Hoppy, as we mentioned at the top of the show, hasn't had any minutes yet? And like you said, consistency, this was an issue with the Klinsman era too. There was never a consistent lineup game to game. Um, there's rumors that we're going to see Chris Richards and Robinson together in the back next week, which means again, no consistency. And uh, I mean, there, it just seems to be nothing, no consistency. I wouldn't even be shocked if you put Stefan out there. On Wednesday. <laughs> he would. He totally you know, would. Yeah. seriously, there's just yeah. no consistency at all. Peppy is 18 years old and he can't play three games in a week. He does right. it for Dallas. I mean, yeah. I don't understand where yeah, we're... Busio's on the bench. <laughs> like, Busio has no minutes. None. De, De La Torre was actually one of the better players coming on. This is sub in Austin, and then he didn't even get to play. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, we're good. I don't get it. I don't get it. Matthew Hoppy is really... Like, that one... And he, he did like... so well in the Gold Cup. Why, why, is, why is he not... If you're even going to convert him into the wing, why is he not on the wing? Or why is he not playing instead of Zardes, right? Like, uh, I don't have a problem with Zardes. It's just like yeah. you have the quality on the bench. Why are we not using that quality? I can understand if you didn't call any of these people in. 
But you called in Matthew Hoppy. He flew over from Spain to be here, and he's played zero minutes. Uh, Chris Richards came over from Bayern and Hoffenheim and has not yeah. played yet. Yeah. Uh, we have Joe Scally, who's still over uh, at Mönchengladbach, I think. And, who many think should be on this roster right, all the time. <laughs> right. And then we have uh, uh, Conrad yeah. is not in oh, this I camp, but he was in last camp. Yeah. And we know last camp we had a problem with wingers, and we didn't bring them this camp. It's very confusing. You know, John Anthony Brooks was called in, and then he uh, got sure. injured and yeah. can't be here, and no replacement named. Are we just being cheap? I mean, do we, does U.S. Soccer not want to pay pay for flights or something? Like, I don't understand why we're not naming replacement players. This has been a thing all year. Somebody somebody tweeted something that's really funny. I forget who it was. It was I think it was a reply to somebody. I mean, they did get a lot of things. They're like, we're lucky that Jackson Ewell's not here. <laughs> it's like I like Jackson, but it's true. It's like he would definitely have stuffed Jackson Ewell into that Musa role and been like, okay, we'll just play Jackson Ewell there. Why not? And look, I like legit, but if you yeah. look at some of the stuff that he was doing, passing it backwards every time, we're not cre- we're not being creative. Like, no. there's a time where Musa, it's been online, you can see it on Twitter. Musa gets the ball and, and tries to make an attack forward, yeah. passes it to legit, starts making a run legit, instead just turns around, passes it to the center back while he's got three options that he yeah. could pass to forward. And we're, you know. It, when we're away from home, we got to be able to make some of those passes and have the quality. And, you know, Brendan Aronson got taken out in the 60th minute in Austin. We're thinking him, uh, you know, that they're taking him off to save legs, right? Pepe only played 60 minutes last week, too. 68 minutes or whatever. We're thinking, okay, he'll take him off, save legs, and on Wednesday they'll play, uh, or uh, Sunday they'll play. Aronson doesn't come until the 46th minute. I don't know. I, I know a lot of people said Musa wasn't good. I also saw a lot of people say he was good uh, in Panama. So, I mean, what is Musa supposed to do though, with those two? So, so what like, I'm saying is, why is you know like he got taken off in the 40s? Yeah, like why is well. he even out there if he's like why? I'm I'm shocked. Like why is he? I would I would have thought if they if you were going to turn over the lineup this much, why is he out there then? Like why why not throw in De La Torre? Like why not just be like okay. Like we're we're obviously conceding, so let's just throw somebody out there or Busio. Like, why not? Like, I don't understand. Like, if you're gonna turn the lineup, turn the lineup completely. It, it, don't leave it haphazardly. Now Musa might not even be fresh for Wednesday because you went out there and played him with a bunch of the. And it sounds horrible, but a bunch of the MLS guys. And the, the best thing about it is that, and they were talking about this. They go, he was even choosing guys that weren't even the best MLS guys to have out there. So it's like. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just I'm so confused by yeah, how he does. Here's, here it is. Here's the lineup, right? In case people were not aware, Shaq Moore. I'm totally fine with Shaq Moore. Not a yes, problem for me. He's played well. Okay. Mark McKenzie, Walker mm-hmm. Zimmerman, George Bellow. Three out of the back four are changed. It's not typically a good sign. Your back line is what you want to have like the most consistency, especially the center two. And we are always rotating those center two. Um, Sean Johnson must have been sick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Then we had uh, in the midfield, if my mouse is going to work. Okay. Acosta, 
Musa, and Legette. Not a lot of creativity there. Acosta's not super creative. Legette hasn't been. Right? Yeah. They have Paul Areola and Timothy Weah and Zardes. I almost I like, like, can't really judge the front three because yeah. they barely got any service. Right. I like the way it moved too because way it played extremely well in Austin. He deserved to play, but not like the this. the people what they want, right? Yeah. They want it. They want it way at a start. But I mean, he. I, I would have started Aronson and Weah, yeah, and then you can like bring this. on Areola or whatever if you needed to. Yeah. It just seems our like bench, this is the wrong Here's way. our bench: Del uh, Delatore, Busio, Hoppe, uh, Hoppe, uh, Yedlin, Brendan Aronson, Miles Robinson. Roldan, Richards, Tyler Adams, Tyler Adams didn't even start. Sean Johnson, Pepe, and Death. So, you know, Pepe didn't even uh, start, right, after being taken off in the 68th minute, too. So what were we conserving them for at the end of that game? You know, like, uh, it it seemed to have made sense then, like, okay, take them off, and they can at least go the first 45, 60 minutes of the next game. Mm-hmm. And then uh, maybe they'll start again on Wednesday. At this point, I'm done. This is why we don't put out lineups. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done trying to figure out the, these lineups because uh, they're never consistent. They're never what we want. And we're just going to have to deal with it. And, <laughs> you know, okay. Again, the question is, if we lose Wednesday, mm-hmm. is he fired? It's a home game. Like, I'd fire him, but I'm not making decisions. Um, I think if you lose a close game, probably not. But if it's, again, zero shots on goal, which we didn't talk about, zero shots on goal. And if we look like the first half of Jamaica and the first of both halves of this game, I mean, at this point, we're just getting points by not even playing well. And which is is fine, I guess, but that means we're not going to do well at the World Cup. I honestly don't think so because it's not like they're going to fire him after qualifying, right? No. So it's and risky. But, and we've already kind of talked about who are even the options. I saw somebody say Tab Ramos. I said, no, thank you. Mm. He's been bad at Houston. He did not qualify with the U23s. I think some people don't recognize he was uh, a manager of that at some point. I don't think I'm taking Tab. It literally is Bob Bradley or or Peter Vermees, I think. I'd take Oscar <laughs> at this Korea, point. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he's leaving. I don't think he'll leave Orlando. He's no. not, you know, I don't think he has any ties to this national team. But I think you're right. I think it, 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 one, though, I guess the one good thing is Burhalter is going to have to, he's going to be in some pressure here because as soon as the December win- window rolls around, that December window could be the first time that you see a new coach. So it, it, it really just depends. And I, it depends also, I think, on uh, performance in MLS. And I think that what you said, Jordan, I think, I think Peter Vermees is finally ready. If he was wanting to jump over and jump ship, I think this is a perfect time for him as they'll be rebuilding some. Um, and they've got a really good team. I, I think that they've got a good team and he's done what he's needed to do. I think they outperform sometimes maybe uh, some of their talent, but I, I think that he's done a fantastic job with sporting Kansas city. I don't know if that would team would be the same without him. And I think that Bob Bradley is another good option. I, I just, I really hope they don't just start signing in, you know, guys from the in the, the system because I think a lot of times the system ends up being the same system and I'm afraid they'll keep at least hopefully if they kept the same system they would have at least some lineup consistency because you're never going to get that with Burhalter and like you said Jordan is he going to do this in the World Cup if he did this during World Cup people would flip their lid 
and it seems like he's not scared to do it. Like these are huge games, and he knows what's on the line. He knows we didn't qualify last time, so don't don't play. I'd much rather run. Let's run everybody out there, get the points we need. They can rest later. Like give them the games off. They're eighteen and twenty years old. Like they don't need. They can miss their cut their club games. I tell you how much. This is more important. This is more important. I know a lot of people keep sharing this quote from, you know, uh, Norwich saying that the reason Sargent wasn't called in was because they're focusing on players in MLS for this window. Um, I think that that's not entirely true. I think some people will say it is true because whatever we've had MLS players called in this window, but when you see Hoppy called in yeah. and Pepe, I think it was Norwich's way of saying, like, you know, Sargent kind of lost his starting job for the U.S. team. Yeah, because he's marketing. <laughs> right. It's uh, Pepe is taken over. Uh, yeah. We got Pepe fever. So, I, you know. But, again, he can play in all three games. I, I, I... At least two and a half. Like, he's 18 years old. If he can't – dude, he was playing, like, six games a weekend, like, two years ago. Like, I don't get, I don't understand it. I really don't. And with Dallas out of the playoffs, really, that, like, what, what is your, what's your hesitancy? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, explain it to me, Greg. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I don't get why, like, a, and he, again, he does favor a lot of people. And like you said, Jordan, I would not be shocked at all if we go to the lineup on Wednesday and Zach Steffens in goal. And I can tell you from being a City fan, he is not in good form right now. It's because he just doesn't get the reps. Matt Turner is our goalkeeper. He's number one. If you put Zach Steffen in, then you know that he's just going to continue to play with these loyalties. And then if they lose Jordan, I'd fire him right after the game. So let's let's look at who we've got here. We, I would assume if I'm coach, Tyler Adams is starting. Yeah. You have Richardson, Robinson, or Walker, Zimmer, and Robinson. Okay. That's then a coin you toss. Have, what? That's a coin toss. I yeah. could go either way on those. Then I think you go Weah, Aronson, um, uh, Wea, uh, Pepe up top. Yeah. And you can bring on Hoppy if you need to. And then in the midfield, you know, you probably go with. Uh, like I said, Adams, Musa, McKenney, McKenney. Yeah, he'll be back home. And then the back line, like I said, the you know Robinson, Richards, Turner, and Goal. And then on the right, uh, you have Sergino Dest, who didn't even didn't even play. No. He's been hurt. He got he got pulled off. He was there's something wrong with his leg. He made the bench though. Yeah. So it must not have been that serious, but I know he it was maybe cramping. I just realized too, Jordan, this game coming up's at lower.com. There's no way Zach Steffen's not starting. <laughs> that would be uh we'll see. <laughs> um that's a good point. Let's see what Greg has up his sleeve. I'm wouldn't be shocked if Zardes and Zach Steffen are starting. <laughs> So, um, you're right. You're totally right. It could happen. Um, so let's go ahead and look at uh, 7 o'clock on Wednesday, which is probably the day this episode's releasing. 
USA versus Costa Rica at lower.com field. USA has seven wins. Costa Rica has four wins. I think these are in USA. Um, now, Columbus is usually a safe haven for the USA against Mexico, and uh, that's where they who they usually play here. But probably could be the same here for Costa Rica. And I think mm. that remembering now that it's in Columbus probably fills me with a little bit more positivity uh, about this game. To hurt my hand on wednesday uh but I, I think we'll win this game costa rica has not been good recently i think we win this game and for better or worse we cover up the the holes the potholes in this road to qatar and then we'll see if the tires will still pop later on down the road and we don't qualify um we'll see right i mean i don't yeah. I don't know when is the last time you can make a last-ditch effort to uh, change the coach. We might be January, Qatar or bust at this point. Yeah. I would think January because there's that nice gap between Christmas. But I think if you – because they'll – I imagine they'll play a friendly in December because um, that's a long time to wait. That seems like a really long time, but maybe not. I don't think they will. I no, usually January is when we do our Camp Cupcake stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't think... Oh, and December's a crowded one for Europe. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think that. we'll be able to do that. Uh, so here's what we got. We might be able to do an early January window, but that's usually going to be MLS guys because of the European calendar. Mm-hmm. So here we go. We have October still. We have mid-November. Mm-hmm. Then we have a break until January 30th. And then February 2nd, and then we have end of March, March 27th, March 30th. That's scary. So by the end of March, we're going to know if we make it or not. And the long dread would be just awful because you'd be in this like lull in sports in like in the summer months where you're just thinking about not qualifying. At least MLS will be back. Yeah, so here's what we got table-wise. We got Mexico in first with 11 points. USA in second with eight, Panama in third with eight, Canada in fourth with seven, Costa Rica in fifth with six, El Salvador in sixth with fifth, five points, uh, Honduras in seventh with three points, Jamaica in eighth with two points. So uh, Costa Rica only has one win. Canada has one win and four draws for as good as they've been, if not lost. Uh, but they have not won more than one game. And Canada and Panama play each other at Canada on Wednesday. So that's that could be helpful. Like, it depends on what you really would want. I would I imagine. I guess you want them to draw again, yeah, right? I'd that would put Panama at nine, Canada yeah. at eight. And then if we win, that puts us at 11. And we, yeah. we start having a three to four point separation right. is what we need. That's what we need. Yeah, and it's that, in or you Canada pick or in, who you think will drop. <laughs> is it in Canada or is it in? It's at BMO, so it's in Canada. Mm. So Canada I, hasn't I, been winning though, so I mean yeah. it's okay, I guess. I guess the thing too is that like it really does. It really depends on because you're starting to see some real separation. Like I, I think you're starting to see from six down. Obviously, Costa Rica's still in it right now, but after a couple more losses, they could be out of it too. But if you look at like Canada. And Panama, like who's going to give us the ultimate chance and stay down in the four spot? 
I feel like it'd be Panama at the end of the day, but they've actually, they played a little bit better. They played better than Canada. I think like, if you look at it, I mean, you, they, they've played games where like, I know Canada's had some impressive games, but overall Panama defends well. I've only given up two goals. It's the lowest amount in this qualifier. Yeah, Panama drew with uh, Mexico as well. Yeah. And that's a good result for them. I mean, they're, they're, they're a, they're a they team up and coming. Yeah. They drew if they drew Canada at Canada, maybe we want Canada to lose. <laughs> Canada. They drew with Costa Rica. They beat El Salvador. Right. And they've yeah. lost. They lost to. Uh, they lose to. They lost to Jamaica. That was yeah. the shocking one, right? No, no, they beat Jamaica, right? They, they lost so they to lost Jamaica. to El Salvador, I think. I can tell you. Hold on. If I'm reading this right. They lost to... Yeah, they lost to El Salvador 1-0 back in October 7th. Oh, they lost this this window. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's wild. They're the, They're unpredictable. They're the ones causing the headaches for everybody. So no panic button yet. Uh, you know, this is, we have to also keep in mind, this is a different setup than usual. This is 14 games, mm -hmm. right? Instead of the 10, 12, 10, yeah, 10 that we used to play. So things are going to be able to slide a little bit more. At this point, we would already be halfway through qualifying at five games. And we'd be like, Second place halfway through, that feels okay, right? Yeah. Like with five games to go. But we have uh, nine. No, we don't have nine games left, do we? Yeah, nine. Nine games One, left? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Yeah. Three in what? Three in November, two in January. The three in March, we really want to be. Two in March, or is it three in March? There's three in March. It's two. It's two in November. Three in January and February, and then three in March. The next, so the next one's good because we play. Oh, yeah. The good thing is both times we play Mexico, and here's an advantage because Greg screws us over. Um, here is our advantage: we play Mexico first, the next two windows. So like Mexico, or sorry, the next three windows. So every time we play Mexico, it's to start our window. Which is That's good. good. So we should have a healthy yeah. team by then. And let's not forget also, no Reina, no Pulisic. So we might be good to go by November. And I think you really are missing the anchor of the back line. Like Johnny Anthony Brooks has a, a couple rough games, but I think he's such a heartbeat, I think, in that back line. Yeah, so here's the next window. Like you said, Mexico, November 12th in Cincinnati. And then uh, we yeah, play Jamaica. Jamaica at Independence Park in Kingston. We should be able to beat Jamaica in Jamaica. We're going to want to win or draw Mexico at home. We got to – If like we win home. against Mexico, that's huge. Like that's a really big step because that'll, yeah. that'll put us up there with them. And, well, that's if they don't – They don't. If we don't win lose. the next – Well, that's if no. we don't lose this one and they – Right, because we have to make sure there's still three points between us by then. And then you're right, mm -hmm. we'd be even, and I feel really good about qualifying. Yeah, me too. Then we make it, like you said, uh, Canada has Mexico again on match day eight. And Canada also has Costa Rica. So they got two tough games coming up. Panama has 
Honduras and El Salvador. Mm -hmm. yep. Costa Rica has Honduras and Canada. Why is Mexico playing Ecuador? <laughs> Where did that come from? They're playing a friendly? Where is that weird. at? They're, Mexico's playing a friendly against Ecuador on October 27th. Oh, yeah, I guess they are. In the United States. Huh. In North Carolina. Mexico yeah. country. Okay. Well, that's about it. So let's go ahead. Uh, we got Costa Rica, U.S. tonight. Uh, tonight, if you're... I'm releasing this on Wednesday. So tonight at 7, ESPN2, Unimas, TDN, ESPN+. Plus. Canada and Panama face off and then El Salvador, Mexico. Then on Saturday, we have Montreal, Philadelphia Union, LAFC versus San Jose, Columbus versus Miami, New England versus Chicago, Cincinnati versus Orlando, DC United versus Nashville, Toronto versus Atlanta, Houston versus Seattle, Austin versus Minnesota, RSL versus Colorado, LA Galaxy versus Portland. Then on Sunday, we have Red Bulls, NYCFC, and Vancouver versus Kansas City. Uh, also, yeah, uh, we had some news here for Cincinnati as well that we forgot to talk about here, hmm. which was uh, they have signed a general manager. They have signed Chris uh, Albright from the Philadelphia Union. Uh, I remember him as a player, too, so uh, it's funny now that he's right there. Um We'll see how it goes. Uh, I've, you know, I was reading around that they said that this is one of the least interesting jobs because a lot of people think that the owner has a lot of control in Cincinnati and that maybe they won't be able to fully do what they want. I'm assuming Chris Albright just couldn't turn down this opportunity of, you know, leaving the union and, be, you know, heading up your own team, especially a team that's so bad that he'd be a legend if he even gets them uh, out of the wooden spoon spots. All right. Anything else, Logan? Play Matthew Hoppy, Greg, if you're listening. I'm sure he is. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, and email us Show at gmail.com. And we will catch you all next, next week breaking down the USA game against Costa Rica and either crying tears of joy or sadness and then talking about those MLS fixtures on the weekend. So thanks everybody for listening and have a great rest of your week. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the u.s men's national team americans abroad mls usl this is stateside soccer show presented by stop it's time soccer show have a good one